everybody. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. And make sure to stream Chicago Cubs baseball today. Subscribe directly to Marquee Sports Network or log in with a participating TV provider. You can visit watchmarquee.com to learn more. I'm Andy Martinez, joined by Marquee Sports Network contributor and MLB.com reporter, Tim Stebbins. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been an action-packed week. It's been an action-packed few days, really, um, for the Chicago Cubs after sweeping the Giants in a three-game set. This was a big series for the Cubs. This was a big series for the Giants. This was a big series for the National League in terms of the wild card and playoff positioning. For the Cubs to sweep the Giants, what was your biggest takeaway from, from the three-game set at Wrigley? Well, I got a couple, but I mean, I'll, I'll take one zoom in and one zoom out, and I'm sure you have similar. But it's just that you you beat a team that is on your tail in this race, and you have to do that, right? We know how how many teams are in the mix for the, these wild card spots when there's three of them up for grabs, and the Giants are a team that uh, they've been struggling for one. So in that sense, it's it's good to see that the Cubs took care of business, but also it's like, even if the giants weren't struggling, that's a team that is there in that picture and has been for a long time. And, and you need to beat those teams. And we know the Cubs have a lot of games, uh, including this weekend coming up similar. Uh, if I were to zoom in though, I mean, I guess just like two words, just say a Suzuki. I mean, that, that was an, it, that was an incredible series for him. And I, I just think about where he was kind of earlier in August. And we know he got taken out of the lineup and, sat for a few days and and since then like he he has legitimately been one of the best hitters i think in baseball and in this series it's just kind of been a continuation of that and really that that middle of the order presence that they they thought they they were they're going to and then he for the beginning of the year we we saw bits of it and struggled a little bit and now he's really emerging and and that's huge for this team going down the stretch here yeah, Say Suzuki was such an integral part for this offense, even going into the season, right? When he was signed last season as a free agent out of out of Japan, it was kind of expected that he would be eventually a middle or, of the order bat. And there was some questions, especially last year, like how long would the assimilation process to to U.S. pitching and U.S. Uh, Major League Baseball just overall with the with the travel and everything that kind of goes on behind the scenes beyond just like playing on the field. And we kind of saw that the the getting used to it kind of took a while, right? There, he never really was himself per se last season. And and he struggled to, to kind of adjust to that. But the Cubs firmly believed when they signed him that he could be a middle of the order bat that could carry an offense when he was going right. And I think that like, to your point, this three game series was indicative of that, right? Where yes, Cody Ballinger had a good series and some other guys had some, some really good offensive series, but it was the Seiya Suzuki show in a lot of ways, right? Where he was he's hitting home runs, he's hitting some clutch doubles, the the three-run double on on Wednesday against the Giants to kind of kick things off and kind of show the Giants like, hey, this 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 is the Cubs game, then and they're they're gonna win. I thought that was huge. And and you're right, ever since the the days off, the mental reset, the benching, whatever you want to call it, those when he had that time off, that really seemed to kind of get him back in his groove. And for the Cubs, I mean that that's that's what you what you hope in that situation. And I thought that was that was key to kind of getting the unlocking the offense and getting them back on track. Yeah, I mean, like this lineup, especially since they they added Jim or Candelario to it, we know it's long, we know it's deep, and, and you got all sorts of hitters in there, lefty, righty, switch hitters. But I think Say Suzuki is as key to it probably as anybody. Just and and we can see 
mean, the lineup was going well for a while. We we know that, and he was going through right. his struggles. And the fact that it is so deep kind of allowed him to to work through that and allowed Ross to to let him get a reset, as we talk about. But he definitely takes it to a whole another level, I would think. You know, I'm not going to say it's like I don't want to put a number on it, like how 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 much higher of a level, obviously, but. You can see just this week alone, I think in that giant series, he had what, like nine RBIs. I mean, that, that says something to me, man. And uh, the fact that it's coming this time of year, like, I, I, I just wonder, like, I'm excited, I guess, for, for their sake and, and see where it goes these next few weeks, because guys, you know, September, man, this is that time of year where six month long season before the playoffs, you know, and it can get the kind of those dog days of August catching up to you, but it's really the opposite for him. And it's like, by the end of this month, what are his numbers going to look like? And then what will that mean for this team? I'm really curious to see where that is. Yeah, I believe I saw it earlier, but since his uh, since his time off, uh, again, whatever you want to call it, uh, he's got a 193 WRC plus, weight to runs created plus, which is 93 points above league average. It's insane, right? Like if you had a 124 WRC plus, you'd take that in a heartbeat. 193 is is off the off the charts. That's been that was a huge revelation. And, and to your point, like it's going to be curious come October 1st when the season regular season's over to see where he's at. And and for the Cubs, if that means the playoffs, that's a good thing. Another good thing, especially if you're looking forward to to the rest of the season that uh, we're kind of in a sense burying in terms of uh, burying the lead. If you want to say with say Suzuki doing well was, was Justin Steele and Jordan Wicks in the rotation. Uh, Justin Steele, especially his best outing of his career, in my opinion. And and he said it too. And I think the stats would back it up, right? Eight innings, 12 strikeouts, two hits, I believe it was, uh, it was two walks. Um, just really, really dominant in that outing. And you could tell early on, like, Oh, he's going to, he's, in that first inning, I'm like, yeah, he's going to have a really good outing. But I thought like a good outing, meaning like six innings, seven innings, maybe one run and like five strikeouts and like kind of gives the like rest the bullpen a little bit. I didn't think it would be eight innings, 12 strikeouts. And the Giants had no answer for anything he was doing. Yeah, I mean, look, like you don't see a lot of pitchers go eight innings anymore. I mean, that's just the yeah. reality. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like last season, wasn't it Steele who, who kind of talked about one of his goals being just to throw a complete game? It was. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's just like, that's no disrespect towards him. It just more speaks to the environment and, and how starting pitching has evolved in the last decade plus, even maybe fewer years than that. So uh, for a team, especially that we, we know this bullpen has been leaned on and we know there's, there's some probably tired arms down there. They have a lot of days as do many teams and probably most teams this time of year, a lot of games in a row, not a lot of days off it's crunch time. Right. But the Cubs are no exception to that. And I think, that's kind of an underrated part of it. And really just a lot of these performances that we're probably getting to more of them from that series. Um, the finale, I should say, but getting as many innings out of your starters right now is, is key. Performance like that. I mean, that's probably as good of an outing as you could hope for all things considered at this time of year and, and uh, just the environment of baseball. So I, I, I think I agree. It's safe to say that's probably his best start in the big leagues. Yeah, and, and Tony Andrecki wrote about it on MarketSportsNetwork.com. The the interesting conundrum, you kind of touched on it with the bullpen right now for the Cubs, right, where it's like the the other night, it was a, a three-run lead, and you're kind of expecting, all right, Edward Alzali is going to warm up. He's going to get the save. Cubs Cubs close out the win, and, and you know it's kind of business as usual. That's how it's been, especially since Edward Alzali took over the, the closer role. It's been, you know, he's got the ninth, and, and you kind of work backwards from there. But it was Julian Merriweather that was warming up. It was Julian Merriweather that came in and got the final three outs. That was kind of like a big kind of like, ooh, what's going on? Like, why isn't Edward Alzali 
pitching. What's what's wrong with him? And David Ross, before the game on Wednesday, like everyone's kind of dealing with something right now, right? If if you're not dealing with something, you haven't been playing long enough, or you you're just you've missed most of the season or something, right? Like there's there, someone's just someone's just dealing with everyone's dealing with something right now at this point, just given the the nature of the of the long season. And in Edward Alzelay's case. It's something that David Ross is trying to stay away from him as long as possible, where he had the line where he said sometimes four days is better than 15 days, meaning like if a pitcher goes on the IL, it's 15 days, he's out, right? There's 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 no 10-day IL for the pitchers. There's there's no uh, seven-day IL. Like it's, it's 15 days. So if they think they can get him back within those 15 days, they'll essentially play short for, for however long they need to get him because it means you have them for those extra 11 days, 10 days, nine days, whatever it is. You, those are so valuable in the sense that you want him to be available as long as possible. And if that means you miss maybe like four starts and you have to go to like a Julian Merriweather or in, in Wednesday's case, Luke Little, who got the last three outs of, of the ninth inning, obviously not a leverage situation, but to 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 be able to do that, I think it's huge to be able to reset Edward Oswald because the last thing you want is to lean on him, burn him out, and then you come to the end of the season and either you're in the playoffs or you're in a must-win game and and you can't rely – you don't have a healthy, fully healthy Edward Oswald. I think we saw kind of a glimpse of that, not with Adbert per se, but with some of the bullpen arms in Cincinnati with the doubleheader, the, the Saturday night game, then the Sunday day game. The bullpen was just gassed, and I think being able to kind of reset it Having a blowout where he, where David Ross could could save some guys, having a dominant outing by Justin Sabiurasad, those guys go eight innings and you only have to get three outs. Those are the things that the Cubs kind of need down the stretch to be able to preserve this bullpen, so that Mark Leiter's not pitching four times in five days, or Edward Alzali's not going back to back, and then having one day off and then having to pitch again. Like those those things add up at the end of the year. You want to keep the the mileage low going into October, and a stretch like this where like. If you're a fan and you're watching, you're like, I, I want Adbert Azalei to get those last three outs in a three-run game. Like, it, it, you kind of have to be patient because the Cubs know that those that three-run lead, those three outs, aren't going to be as important as the the three outs that he might need to get on September 29th or, or something like that. Yeah, and I think if, if we want to talk about him specifically, like, we know he used to be a starter. We know he came up as one. He, we know he was he debuted, and, and they, that was kind of the vision for him, and it, it went in a different direction, but... Point being, like, are his innings at a point where it's a career high where, like, like steel? No, but, you know, there's probably something to be said about pitching February through now September uh, the way he has and, and the kind of the, the physical toll that takes on your body, whether you do have the innings or not. Or not. When, when you're being used, as we talk about, to back to back days or in four out of five or, or what have you, like that's going to take a toll. It doesn't matter, you know, how many innings you're throwing. Maybe it's a lesser toll. Like I'm no scientist. I'm no doctor. I couldn't <laughs> tell you that, but I think there's something there. And I think it's really smart if, if they can kind of play with it. I think you said it right there where four is better than 15 or however many days, if you can stay away from them. And, and we know they've called up a couple of guys uh, to add to the bullpen in the meantime to kind of pick up some innings and, and that's key. And then the starters, we, we get seeing some of these long outings, like that's huge. But uh, I think that's kind of another thing here that maybe we're not thinking about like, sure, it's not as innings career high as some of these guys, but it's a long season and, and they've been used a lot in high stress innings too. So I think that all adds up and here we are now and we're talking about this on September 6th. And it's interesting you say that because Luke Little, we touched on him a little bit, but he makes his major league debut on Wednesday in the finale. He gets called up on Wednesday. Shane Green is designated for assignment to make room on the roster. 
And Luca Little started the season as a starter in South Bend. He was a starting pitcher, working every fifth day, like like a starting pitching routine, getting into that. And the Cubs transitioned him into a bullpen role because they thought this stuff could play out. Clearly, that obviously, long story short, obviously it worked out. He's in the major leagues. He accelerated through through the through the minor league ranks. With him, it was an interesting thing. He pitched for the first time on back-to-back days recently in the minor leagues. And he was asked, what was that like? And he said, I didn't feel the best, but I also didn't feel the worst. It was just the the normal arm pain that you have. And that's interesting, right? Because this is a guy that could pitch multiple innings, four or five innings, and he's pitching in short bursts now. So the 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 impact that the the throwing has, whether it's one inning or five innings, it can be different for a lot of the guys, but but it's still an amount of work. They're throwing a little bit more high intensity pitches that, that could tax the arm a little bit more. In Luke Little's case, like he clearly needed that 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 day off after the back to back. We see that it's no different for 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 Edward Alzheimer, for Mark Leiter Jr., Julian Mayweather, et cetera, et cetera. Like they have to kind of manage these guys because of the appearance. The 100 innings that they might have pitched as a starter in their first few years isn't the same as the the 50, 60 innings that they've got now. But if they're making 50 appearances, like that's maybe three times in a week. Maybe that's four times in five days, like Mark Leiter Jr. Like being able to conserve their arms is is so key because these guys are who Ross has leaned on and who he's going to lean on when when crunch time comes in that final week and for the Cubs, uh, if uh, as the Cubs hope, in, in the playoffs. And I got a couple other things for you too. Like, let's talk about this. How many times do we not we not consider getting up, warming up, and not even going yep. into a game, you know? And sometimes and, and you... Go I ahead. was going to say really quickly, like on that point, like Edward Owsley, the last time he pitched on Friday, in game one of the doubleheader, he gets up, starts warming because it's a close game. The Cubs break it open. They don't need to use them. Then he comes in in the nightcap. What happens? A blown save. Is that a direct correlation? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a complete direct correlation. Edward Elzai will probably never admit it. He'll probably say like, I should have had, I should have done X, Y, or Z better. But that's, that's a real thing, right? Like he's getting his body warm. He's ready to pitch. And then he sits down and then four or five hours later, whatever it is, he's getting ready again. And now he's pitching in a high leverage situation. Like that is a hundred percent real. Like, and that happens a lot of the times where a guy gets warmed, gets warmed up and, and starts throwing and has to get the body hot. And maybe he doesn't get it in the game, but that still kind of counts as a day. Yeah, and you see guys get up and then sit down and get back up even sometimes. So that's yeah. that's another yeah, kind of another thing I'm thinking about here is like who's not in the bullpen picture right now. It's you know among other guys, obviously Michael Fulmer, and and we know how yeah. how much he really emerged for this team and kind of that bridge guy to the the Meriwether lighters and Alzheimer's of the world and um. I don't, I don't, you know, like, okay, maybe, maybe it's on the one hand, you can say, well, they have other guys to kind of slot in there, but I do think that he was another, also another option to, if you wanted to give one of those guys a day, you could just put him back in inning and maybe sub in for one of those guys. And then it all pushes back. Right. And there's a lot of just factors at play here. Um, and I think all the things considered, they're managing it pretty well because they're managing to win games in, in spite of this. And this isn't just exclusive to the Cubs. I'm sure all 30 teams right. are dealing with this, but they're winning games and that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and, and Fulmer's case is interesting too, because he was a kind of the guy that could go multiples. Right. And if it's like, 
if you know maybe you're trying to stay away from Julian Merriweather, it's like, all right, we'll get Fulmer the seventh and the eighth, and then we can turn it over to to Alzai or, or like if you know lighters down, like all right, he gets the sixth and seventh, and then Merriweather and Alzai, like whatever. Like Fulmer kind of gives you that flexibility, that that option, and you don't necessarily have that anymore. And and I know Jose Quas has stepped up a lot and 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 been a guy that he's that David Ross has leaned on, but you you the the Fulmer one was was a big one because he his I think his stuff could have been the nasty stuff in the bull in the Cubs bullpen it, it was the two seamer was really good the sliders really good like that was such a key piece to the bullpen and the Cubs hope they can get him back soon he might need to go on a rehab assignment he might be good just coming straight into into major league action you don't they don't know that yet they'll see how he plays out but that's a key piece to the to this bullpen and and really sh- uh take some of the load off for guys like for those three guys at the back end for the Cubs. Yeah. I mean, think about that White Sox game weeks ago, right? Like how that was one of the biggest parts of that game. We talked about it. I think after that game, you and I on here, like yeah, strike out the side the way he did and, and allowed them to help them come back. It was a big part of that comeback. So um, yeah, I mean, they have a couple other relievers we know that are also seemingly trending in the right direction. So the fact, I think again, like they're managing this pretty well, all things considered right now. Yeah, it's it's an interesting case, and, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, Tim. But I, I want to get more into it on the September call-ups and and kind of what has what's kind of happened the first few days of September. What could happen the rest of the month? And September first comes around. First of all, the Cubs have a, that weird schedule with the doubleheader, and they don't get the 29th man. When September comes, you get the two extra players, and that's it. So a doubleheader on September 13th or September 1st, you have 28 players on your roster, and that's it. The Cubs used those two spots on Canario, and they used the, the other one on the pitching side with Shane Green. And Shane Green was an interesting choice to to call up because I think we I, – I include myself in this, but I think a lot of us thought that Shane Green would just kind of start the doubleheader, would maybe fill in, in the rotation if he looked good. But it was kind of clear for the, for the Cubs that Shane Green was kind of a, an insurance policy, so to say. Like they saw him as this guy can cover innings, if there's a blowout, it can save our bullpen in a double header. It can save the bullpen for the days coming up. That's kind of why I believe that it was him that was that was up because they knew they could move on from him if if uh, in a few days because they could bring up someone who was maybe a shorter length option, which is exactly what happened with Luke Little, right? Where you can you have that length option to cover you if things go wrong, and or or with all the games you're just going to need that option. Being able to have that, it was was almost an insurance policy. And now you're able to go to someone like Luke Little, who can build trust. The Cubs clearly need a left-handed, another left-handed option in the bullpen besides Drew Smiley and besides Mark Leiter Jr., who's been a lefty specialist. So that Shane Green uh, movement made sense to me. Like that, that just made a lot of of sense in that context. I think I would agree with you, but I mean, I, I think too though. I'm I'm kind of surprised they didn't get more out of him if that was always kind of yeah. a an option in their bag, right? Like they didn't use him until Sunday in Cincinnati. And I know that game was pretty close. It was back and forth and they pulled away with uh, a big output late at the plate, but like they didn't use him until that game and they brought him up for the double header. And, and that was pretty much, you know, that was a long, that was a long day of baseball, a lot of pitching. Yeah. Uh, that, that part surprised me, but I do think like whether they, they did get more, whether they, if they had gotten more out of him, like the move to potentially switch, switch out, bring another reliever as they wound up doing with Luke Little. Like, I think that was probably one of the most likely scenarios or the likely scenario, even if they did get him, even if they pitched him for four straight days or three straight days, because 
um, just keeping your flexibility intact and, and some of the guys that I do have up here, like what moves are you going to make? Well, if you're going to call that guy, you get a couple uh, get games out of him and then swap him out. I, I think the Reds did that too. The Reds called up someone yeah. and uh, immediately we know what they're going through and all the roster overturn they're going through, but um, they called up someone DFA them a day later. So it's not, I, th- I think a lot of teams are in this boat right now where you're you're in that time of year where you need to cover innings, you need to get guys rest, and uh, you're going to see a lot of moves like that. Yeah, this isn't a three, four years ago where you could call 12 guys, and and those guys, you don't really have to worry about about resting guys or anything because you you, you had, and then you didn't have the, the batter, three batter minimum. Like, you could throw all these guys in a specific matchup. So, like, that that kind of creates a, a little bit of flexibility there. Well, you, um, then- Tim... Go ahead. I'll just say too, like maybe you were going here. I don't know. Um, like those, the first two moves they made when the roster expanded, like there's still a lot of time left in this month. Like I think, I think we both agree, right? Like if they make several more moves this month with these expanded rosters, it wouldn't surprise us in the slightest because that's where everyone's at right now. Yeah, I, that's that was my next point. But we're going to take a quick commercial break after our, after a word from our sponsor. We'll kind of get into more what could happen in September in terms of call-ups. And then we'll go ahead to an, an, another series, a big series for the Cubs. It seems like the, the big series keep on coming. We'll be back after this quick word from our sponsors. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Tim, we were kind of teasing some September call-ups here, but before we get into like what else could happen the rest of the month, the other call-up that we didn't really touch on too much was Alexander Canario and I think there was a ton of excitement and, and definitely warranted from fans, right, in terms of why he was called up and, and calling him up. Guy who hit, a ton, I believe it was 37 home runs last season in AAA, suffered a gruesome injury in the minor leagues, not in AAA, but suffered a gruesome injury playing winter ball, had a really long recovery that there was a chance he might not even play this year. There's even a slight chance that he might not ever play again, and he's back eight, ten months after the, after the injury. It's kind of incredible. Tim, but there was a lot of frustration amongst Cubs fans too because he has not been playing. Yeah, I mean, I think for like three days there, if I went on Twitter, the Cubs would tweet out their lineup, or you know, you were in Cincinnati, other writers, people would tweet out the lineups, and there would be fifty replies and quote tweets and <laughs> tweets about no Canario again and no Canario again. Like, yeah, people were upset, and I think they're still going to be upset <laughs> even though he debuted. Uh, he made his. He made his big league debut in the Giants finale. But yeah, like that's that has certainly been a I think I saw someone tweet, I can't remember who it was. Is this the most united Cubs Twitter has been over anything ever? And I was like, you know, that's a great question. Yeah, it is a great question. And it's like I get it, right? I get the excitement of him that this was a guy who was as great of a hitter as, as Matt Mervis in the minor leagues last year. Like for, to be frankly honest, like he was putting up the same amount of numbers as Matt Mervis. And so I get the excitement. But there was the, the the Cubs were pretty transparent even before September. They they mentioned that whoever was called up, it, they weren't expecting them to be an impact bat. They probably weren't even going to get a lot of playing time. David Ross mentioned when Canario was called up, he's low on the depth chart. Like they this is they were pretty frank with how it was going to be. And for Canario, it there was a lot of 
sense for it made a lot of sense to call him up for for a multitude of reasons. I think he was the, the best option in terms of who was already on the 40 man spot. The time they had one 40 man spot that if you wanted to add someone and you weren't sure if they're going to stay on long term, I don't know if that made sense to, to burn that 40 man spot like that with Canar, you you already had him on the 40 man roster. You could bring him up. You could expose him to this playoff experience because there's a chance next year, especially with uh, with how things go in, the, in in spring training camp, like maybe he's your fourth outfielder coming out of camp. Maybe he makes the team out of camp. And if you're competitive again next year, which is what the Cubs hope they are, you want Canario around the, the situation he, so that he knows, hey, day in and day out, this is how you prepare. There's value in, in Alexander Canario being around a Jamer Candelario, an Ian Happ, a Dansby Swanson. This is what they do every day in, in their daily setup. That that totally all of that like makes sense. Like all of that, it, it makes sense to be for him to be around and to to be in that atmosphere, the playoff environment where like everything matters. Guys have talked about like learning how to watch a game, right? Like learning what a pitcher's doing, learning how the game's developing, learning how the game's playing out. Things that you don't really know, learn or, or see in in AAA or AA, you see that at the major league level. So that when Canaro comes in. He looks, he's ready. And he looked pretty ready in, in that, that bat against Camilo Duvall, which is a, no no small task to ask for. One of the best relievers in baseball. He, he had a competitive at bat against him. Ultimately struck, struck out, but it, and it didn't work. It, it, he didn't get a hit or anything, but it was a good at bat. That's a really good learning experience for him. Frankly, the depth the, the depth chart is is what it is. And and it just means there, there there's not going to be a lot of playing time for him. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things fans and even you and I and other like as media, there's a lot of things that we just don't see when those we're not in the clubhouse or yeah. around, right? Like that's just the reality of it. So and that's kind of in defense of fans, honestly, too, where it's, it's easy to understand from my seat, like the excitement and everything. Um, if we want to talk about the depth chart, though, like I, I will have no problem just running through it all. Like seriously, like. <laughs> right. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Ian Happ got Ian Happ's been pretty, pretty hot in recent weeks. Center field. I'll, I will I will use Mike Talkman because I'll put in this sense Cody Bellinger somewhere else. But Mike Talkman, we know he's scuffling or he was scuffling there for a few weeks. Had a big game in Cincinnati. We know how much they also like him in that lineup. So okay, next say say a Suzuki like we talked about him at the top. How how good he's been. Uh, another outfielder who's playing really good at first base and always has is Cody Bellinger. Like okay, that's now four outfielders on your depth chart. I mean. Yeah, like, and then I'll use Christopher Morrell too. Like, I think for them, you know, assuming like this keeps up, they get into October, like you need to get Morrell on track and Morrell's been in kind of an extended slump. So all of this goes into the, what I'm trying to say is like, there's only so many at-bats to go around. I just named what, like five guys and and that's your priority. Your priority right now is making this push and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you never know. Like, we never know what kind of spark someone coming up and and who's done really well down there and is a well-regarded prospect. You never know. You can kind of at this time of year um, play that kind of card almost, right? Like you can't, you're probably going to go with the more predictable outcome of the two. And I guess play it safer in a sense, because uh, it's crunch time, right? So I think you even wrote about this, like you got to stick with your guys and that's kind of the crux of it to me. Yeah, and that's what I was going to touch on. I wrote about it, as you mentioned, on marqueesportsnetwork.com. Like, David Ross said it multiple times. Like, it's go time. And and he's going to lean on the guys that have gotten him this far. And and frankly, if the Cubs want to have get into the postseason and have a postseason run, the guys that are going to help him do that are, are Cody Bellinger, are Ian Happ, or Say Suzuki, or Mike Talkman. Like, those are the guys that, that are going to 
get the Cubs to where they want to go. And if they're struggling, like they're not going to solve a struggle by sitting on the bench for an extended period of time, right? They're going to, they're going to get out of it by playing. By And David Ross had an interesting point earlier in the week where he said, sometimes you could face some really good pitching and go like, Oh, for four or, or struggle. And you feel like you're in a slump and you feel like you're, you're going wrong, but maybe you face Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns on back-to-back days. And then later you face Graham Ashcraft and it's like, you face three really good pitchers. So like, did you, where are you really slumping or did you have really, really tough matchups that, that give you that, 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 that mentality that you're struggling that sometimes could happen. And, and he says, he, he says he doesn't know that that's for sure that's happening with these guys, but that is something that you can think about, right. Where it's like you face some really good, good pitching and you don't have the results and you start thinking like, Oh, I'm, I'm scuffling. I'm struggling. Like, what can I do? Maybe nothing's going wrong. It's just, those guys were, were really good. And, and, and that's kind of how it worked out for the Cubs right now. Like they want to get those guys going because there are, there are the, the guys that are going to help them get, go, go deep in the, in the postseason. And that's what they're they're trying to do right now. Like David Ross mentioned it, unless they're really, really like scuffling or, or hurt, like, uh, excuse me, I shouldn't say scuffling, unless they're like really, really hurt or need some time off. Like these guys are going to play every single day from here on out to the end of the season. We saw that with Cody Bellinger. They need his bat. They want him in the lineup, but he wasn't feeling it 100%. Okay, he's going to go DH for a couple of days to to keep his bat in the lineup, but also keep him off his legs and, and keep him fresh. Like that's kind of how it's going to be the rest of the way. There's 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 no time to kind of, well, let's give this prospect a chance. Like as you mentioned, to to maybe we'll get lightning in a bottle. Like the, like that time is over. The the resting time is over. It's about trying to win baseball games, and the guys that are going to help you win baseball games are. The, your your core of nine to ten guys that you have been playing day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a good way. Well, one thing you just said that resonated with me was it's that time is over. Like I think there's been comparisons in this canario conversation amongst the fan reaction I've seen, where it's to Christopher Morel and kind of there was a similar maybe when how they talked about it when they brought him up from Iowa in May, like knowing so many at bats to go around and and then what happened while well, he hit home runs in like five straight games. And that's a different time of year though. I mean, I think that's just kind of the bottom and, line. And I was going to say, sorry to interrupt, but like, that's the different time, but that was also a different situation. If you remember that, like they were Frank and said, like, we don't know where we're going to find playing time, but he's hitting so well. We, we just needed to have him up. And a couple of days later, Nico Horner go, gets hurt, lands on the IL. There's immediately an opening at second base. And, Christopher Morrell took it and ran with it. Like they, they were pretty frank that there was not necessarily situation a spot for him, but things broke for Christopher Morrell and he got into a rhythm and then essentially turned that into being the the full time DH for most of the season. Yeah, and I'd have to look back at where that call fell on the the calendar, but May was their worst month, you know, and yeah. the way he was hitting, like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna once he's once he comes up and he's going, like, okay, you're gonna ride that for a while. I think there's like you know not every situation is not created equal, right? Like yep. the Diamondbacks are coming to town and their top prospect, one of their top prospects, Jordan Lawler, he just got called up. Um, that's also a team that I believe he's not even a third baseman. He's middle infield, but they're going to play him at third because their third base production has been so, so bad since like June. So every situation's different, you know, when you're going to, you have a top prospect or a, a minor leaguer who's doing really well and like, you want to call him up well in one situation on the other side of Wrigley fields this weekend and one dugout it's you need production. You're going to, you're going to let it ride and see what you've got. And another one it's, you've got a lot of guys and only so many at bats to go around. And 
Um, it's just different. It's entirely different. So I, I think I get it. I think I would say this. I'm kind of surprised it took until Wednesday to get Alexander Canario in at bat, especially with some of the scores they put up. But I also think like if you want to, if that's something I'm nitpicking at, then that's not the end of the world to me. If that's the one thing I can nitpick here. Yeah. And, and, and the last thing I'll mention on that end is like, yes, like, yeah, I, I totally with you. Like, I, I guess, yeah, you, I, maybe you could have seen them in that last game in Cincinnati where the Cubs totally blew out the Reds. But like, again, to that original point that I made about wanting to get these guys going, like Talkman had been scuffling, had a three hit game. Like you don't want to pinch hit him. You want him to, to feel good about himself at the plate. He gets a fourth knock, like gets things going. Like, those situations make sense where I think it could have maybe gone differently. It was like maybe, maybe as a defensive replacement in the ninth inning, like get one of those guys off their feet for, for a couple of minutes, like maybe that, but again, then that's, you're really, really nitpicking. And I, I don't think that that's really makes a whole lot of sense in this case, but you did touch on the the diamondbacks. And, and before we wrap up, I, I want to look ahead to the series because it, it seems like, if, and, and David Ross has joked about it. Like the, every series is big right now at this time of the year, but with the playoff implications with the wild card, like this, this is just as big as, as the giant series that, that they just wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been playing big series since like July, like mid July. Yeah. I mean, take, take out whenever they start, take out the London series, they come back and okay, it's a big series against the Phillies, a chance to get to 500 and then right. they not play well. So yeah, they've been in that mode for a while. Yeah. I mean, they've got the diamondbacks twice, um, two series in the next, you know, week and a half to, to 10 days here. And that's a team that again, like kind of like the giants, they were, the diamondbacks were playing really well. And then they went into a deep, deep struggle in uh, August and they kind of kicked it back up a bit. But I think it's since then it's been kind of in the middle. Um, I think it's just the same thing. Like all of these series right now, it's, it's really a unique opportunity for the Cubs. Like the fact that, you know, the Brewers are at the end of the month and that, that has the chance to be huge if it's not already huge. I mean, but you have right. teams that are, right around you in this this playoff push. I mean, this is your chance. Like, the Red Series, I know they lost two games in the ninth inning. They were walked off, but, like, they split with that, and that's kind of, like, at the least what they needed to do uh, just to keep keep ground in this race and keep these teams at bay. And uh, this is going to be no different to me uh, in that sense. Yeah, it, it, it's really a, like right like ideally like they have admitted like they would love to win the division they would love to if not finish in the in the top wild card spot so you could you could host a playoff series right like that's what you want that three game series to be all at your place the the giants are on a six game losing streak and the, the the three game sweep has really put them in a, in a tough spot as they chase down a play a wild card spot but before that losing streak like the the giants were in the last wild card spot they held a one game advantage over the over the Diamondbacks, and now they're two and a half games back of a playoff spot. Like you have a good series against the Diamondbacks, and it can kind of push them down to where you're at the point where you're feeling comfortable about being in the playoffs, and that's like the first step, right? Like you just want to get in, you want to have that the, the lottery ticket, as people always say. You you want to get in, and 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 beating these teams, winning these series, puts you in a position to to do that and be able to go on a run. Yeah, I kind of look at the Phillies right now. Like, there's there's a lot of baseball left. So, like you're saying, it's getting to a point where maybe you can start. You know, the Cubs aren't gonna. We're not saying the Cubs are gonna get comfortable and start kicking their feet up and and taking it easy. But you know, as the games fall off the calendar, the math becomes the math. But I look at the Phillies. Like the Phillies are five games up. Um, on you know they have a was there a game and a half up on the Cubs for the top wild card spot. But the Phillies are in firmly in a wild card spot, and uh, I think as the month goes on here, like the more you can kind of increase 
you know, how far ahead of you are the next team or the team that's right outside the picture at some point, as I said, like the math is going to be the math and, and you're going to be in a position where um, magic number talk is going to be starting and you have to get to that point first. But, you know, once you're there, it's kind of at that point, just finishing it off. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting time. And, and this series against the Diamondbacks is going to be huge. Make sure to stay tuned on Marquee Sports Network and on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com for all the coverage. It's it's, it's going to be a jam-packed week. It's going to be a, a jam-packed final few weeks. Uh, keep keep posted on the Cubs Weekly Podcast where we'll keep, keep you updated on what's going on. Tim, thanks so much for joining me on, on this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. It, it was a blast. Yep, thanks for having me. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tim, I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in.